This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, welcome in to Sink Truth Podcast. Marshall Earth alongside my host uh, or co-host, Mike Evans. Um, and uh, we just appreciate you guys watching, appreciate you downloading, uh, liking, and uh, subscribing, doing all those things. So, anyhow, Mike, how are you, buddy? Do you know it's T-minus mm. one week to the start of the NFL draft. I know here in Denver we have not paid attention to it at all. Right? It's I mean, weird. Yeah, it has. Well, I mean, we gave away all our first rounders to Seattle. Yeah. For Russell Wilson. So far, it looks like uh, that's not working out How's really well for Seattle? us. You yeah. guys excited about the you draft? Guys, yeah, what are you going to do I, with I, our picks? Yeah, I'm sure they're just, I mean, head over heels excited about the draft <laughs> right now. I bet you they are. They so many picks. Do you get excited about the draft? No. I know that for you, you were, what, a 12th round draft pick out of uh, Idaho, yeah, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you wouldn't have been drafted if the draft was today. Okay, the first off, you know you're doing this just to irritate me. <laughs> and we're not playing the O'Reilly game right now. But I was a no, tenth, I'm just trying to irritate I know. You. I was a 10th rounder out of Idaho. But uh, theoretically, I would have been like the Mr. Irrelevant pick. Because back then, there were 28 teams. So I was pick number 263. Mr. Irrelevant's usually in like the 270s, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. So, boom. You'd have been a great Mr. Irrelevant. You'd have embraced it. Oh, sure. Showed up at the parades, Grand Marshal. You would have yeah. worn that title proudly. Absolutely, I would have. Why do you think the great. draft is such a – why has the draft become such a big deal? You spent a lot of years at ESPN. You mm -hmm. were part of coverage and everything like that. Do you have a theory as to why it has become the monster event that it has? No, I mean, one, we all like hope, right? It yeah. sells hope. So you think that through the draft with a player or two, I can completely overhaul my franchise, which, you know, theoretically, when you look at what the Bengals have done, for instance, yeah. now they'll point to Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow is flat-out incredible. They also, you know, drafted T. Higgins in the second round. They also drafted Jamar Chase in the first round. Like, they have hit on multiple high-round draft choices. And, oh, by the way, in doing that, before Joe Burrow got there, they invested in their defense, not only through the draft, but through free agency. So, like, if you do it correctly and you're not chasing picks, the problem, the problem with teams is teams try to, like, they, they address an area of of their franchise that's missing something that they don't have something that they lack and they address that area through the draft and they invest in that area and if they don't develop that area and if that guy that they draft or those guys that they draft don't develop you know what they do again the next year attack that same area and they do it over and over again and then you know what they're doing when they're attacking that area or they're attacking that that particular position and they don't succeed, a position of strength 
over the course of two or three years becomes a position of weakness because they don't address depth. They don't address development. So, for instance, you can have a really strong offensive line, let's say, for instance, just for a lack of a better group, right? And you can't pick out a wide receiver. Like, you just can't. Like, you know, for all the, no, you know, the stands, the, the, uh, all the Lamar Jackson stands out there, we just don't ever have any wide receivers. And, you know, well, you've addressed it and you've addressed it, you've addressed it. And for whatever reason, it hasn't worked. You haven't developed it. Um, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to be excited about playing wide receiver when you don't see the ball or you, there's not a lot of action for you. You're asking those guys to block all the time. So, you know, you keep addressing it. And then this position of strength, which is this offensive line, eventually one guy leaves in free agency, another guy gets hurt, another guy leaves in free agency. And then that position of strength becomes a position of weakness because you haven't drafted well at that position because you've been chasing another position. Makes sense. And, and that's what ends up happening to teams. So if you draft really well, and drafting is just a small part of it, it's not just the draft. Now you got to develop really well. And like the Bengals have done a phenomenal, I'll tip my cap to the Bengals. They've done a phenomenal job at not only drafting the right guys, but developing those guys. And I don't think enough enough gets made in the development phase of the NFL. Because you just think that you draft a guy and he's instantly going to become great. And I've seen a lot of guys who had the potential of being really good players that just never never worked out. And there's there's how is, a, how is that? We've got the best of the best coaching on the planet. Well, or, I I would disagree with that, but well, in theory, well, yeah, in in theory, but I, there's a lot of crappy coaches in really? the NFL too. Oh yeah, like put a percentage on it. Well, I mean, there's there's a ton of coaches that. Like, all right, for example, your area of expertise, offensive line. Okay, you got 32 offensive line coaches out there in the NFL. Mm-hmm. How many would you say are good? Um, I would say there's probably, uh, let's like players. There's a handful of exceptional guys. And then there's a bunch of good guys. And then there's, you know, if you, if you divvy it up in third, a third of them are really good coaches. A third of them are average and a third of them suck. <laughs> I mean, think, think about like here, I'll, I'll just give you some perspective. All right. You know how many times I've been told to stay low? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Hey, what you got to do here is you got to stay low, right? You got to have leverage. Well, you do have to stay low. Right. <laughs> you, have to, you have to stay low. You got to have leverage. Got to stay low. <laughs> deliver the bow. Uh-huh. Then read and go. That's, uh, you know, I mean, you get, but I like, hey, hey, listen, you got to stay lower. Hey, no shit, Sherlock. Why? Because I'm getting impaled, right? I'm getting driven to the back. So think about this. Think about from the perspective. And and this is where coaching lacks in the National Football League. It's nuance. Everything is nuance. And everything is technique. So if you and I are both about the same size, we're both six foot three, six foot four. You're a D lineman, I'm an offensive lineman, and we're gonna hit each other, right? And I'm trying to create a running lane, I'm trying to drive you off the ball, and you're trying to hold me up and not get driven off the ball, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to come off the ball a foot lower than you. We are going to hit helmet to helmet, right? We're going to hit like this. So we're going to smack each other right here. 
The key is, do I have the proper technique to hit at the same level and then create this? So when I get under you, right, it's not because I came off 12 inches lower than you. That's physically impossible. It's that we hit helmet to helmet, and I created this. And when I create this upward motion, you know what ends up happening? Is I take your inertia, and I send it through the top of the stadium. And now I have the leverage. That comes from footwork, from hand placement. One thing you have to understand is that working, like to create leverage, leverage is not just coming off the ball Leverage is really created by more up than out. So you want to be able to strike, but strike a guy up and lift him through the roof. And that's where leverage is created. And that is all 100% technique. You've got to have great technique to be able to move a man from point A to point B against his will. And a third of the NFL coaches can't do it. And you're, well, we're just talking offensive line, but we could be talking about any offense. We could talk about any position on the team. Yeah, the, the, I mean, hey, you got to stay lower here. Hey, you got to get off press. Really, how? Yeah, right. Really, like how? Yeah, Sherlock. I didn't know it was that bad. Okay. Oh yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that goes. That's why players in any sport. That's why players talk to players. Dude, I'm having a. Tr- I'm I'm really. I don't understand this. I'm having a tough time with this. How to? Let me tell you how to. Like, how, let me tell you how to circumvent this. Okay, here's what they're saying, but this is what you got to actually do. Mm-hmm. That that happens on a consistent basis. That explains why those player summits have become so popular in the offseason. Oh, absolutely. Offensive line summits, pass rushing summits, those kind of things where these these players get together and just exchange ideas that maybe they're not getting right at the the team they're with. Again, it comes down again, it always comes down to the nuance of of playing. The nuance of hey man, I all everybody knows that you know, everybody knows that that this is the blocking scheme or whatever, right? And it's coached a certain way. But how do you get a guy to play? Like, like I always tell people, listen, listen. Like, you're consulting with the team, and you say every like defensive lineman are taught how to defeat blocking, like blocking uh, combinations or, or a block. How to defeat a reach block? How to defeat a cutoff block? How to defeat a double team? Right? How to how to defeat a an ace block or a you know, a, a full block or how to defeat, you know, uh, a trap. How did like every, every, so you're coached on defeating this individual block. As an offense, I'm trying to get you not to play an individual block, but to play a scheme. So for instance, if I'm playing, I, if we're running a bunch of, of cutoff blocks, like we're running a, a zone handoff, a tight zone handoff to the left-hand side. I want my footwork to be impeccable. I want everything to be impeccable, right? I want it all come off and look exactly the same every time. And what I want you to do as a defensive lineman is say, man, I got to defeat that that cutoff block. I got to defeat that cutoff block. I got to defeat. I got to squeeze it. I got to squeeze it. I got to squeeze it. I got to stay. Hey, man, I'm an eight. I'm a I'm a, a B gap defender, but I've got to squeeze that B gap and push you further into the A gap, right? I got I got to squeeze that, squeeze that, squeeze that, and then you know what I end up doing. Then we run power the opposite way. And I use the exact same technique, the exact same feel, the exact same footwork. Everything's exactly the same. So that you as a defensive lineman go, uh-oh, there's another there's another cutoff block. I got to defeat the cutoff. I got to squeeze it. I got to squeeze it. Then we wheel on your ass, and you're three gaps out of where you should be. 
because you're playing the scheme, you're not playing the individual block. You you can't read the difference. And so there's that little bit of nuance that comes with it that frankly doesn't doesn't happen a lot with with a lot of coaches. It just it and it's unless you've done it now I'm going to get the <laughs> you know, they, well, I hope you never give up this media game. But if you ever did, I think you could be a pretty good offensive line coach. But uh, you'd have to take an enormous pay cut. Uh, <laughs> so, so a uh, lot of coaching, a lot of technique. It still comes down to the the physicality, the violence of the game. Mm-hmm. And boy, we we saw that on display last year with Tua Tonga Viola mm. and the concussions. And he came out and admitted recently that he thought about retiring and that he had to learn how to fall was were you surprised by that uh, admission um no i think that i think that everybody looks at their own career and you know we always we always talked as players it's not about if it's when there's a hundred percent likelihood that you will be injured if you play professional football, it's just if you play football at any level, you're you're going to get injured. That's just it's a hundred percent guarantee that you'll get hurt. Um, and you you have to be able to come to grips with that. And you know some are are, are obviously far more severe than others. And um, and you have to look at that and say is is it worth it? Is you know a lifetime of say injury or a lifetime of pain is it you know is it worth is is cte and and potential you know head trauma and potential brain damage is it worth playing this game that i love and i think everybody looks at it and every every guy is different i think the majority i'm talking 90 whatever percent 98 percent of guys weigh it out and they say it's worth it to me and and i think it's smart to kind of look to step back and look at it and you know two as a first rounder so he's made a lot of money but to step back and look at it and go okay am i okay like like is my family okay with this am i okay with this And, and and there's been a few guys that have stepped away very early in their careers um because of injury issues or head trauma issues and all those things. But the majority of guys, and I'm talking the high 90 percentile are like, it's worth it to me. And so I appreciate you looking at it that way. But, you know, people ask me all the time because as, as you know, I've 29 surgeries over the course of my, my playing career, ask me all the time, if you had to do it over, all over again, would mm-hmm. you do it? Absolutely. I wouldn't even hesitate without question yeah without like without question and um because that's you know for me the life blood coursing through my veins is what i it's what i've done it's what i wanted to do it's i i got to live out a childhood dream with that take some sacrifice you got to be willing you know you got to be willing to put up with the shit just like Mm -hmm. you're willing to put up with the good stuff right i I think I, I speak for everybody out there as a football fan, never mind Dolphin fan out there, who is is you know, really, really curious to see what happens with, with Tua. But I, I, I like him. I, 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 loved, I loved watching him play at Alabama. I like the way he carries himself. Mm-hmm. He, he clearly takes being a leader as, as being very important. Boy, he was, playing, he was playing lights out. You know, you think about it. 
uh, if you take out the time missed, he played 13 games, uh-huh. and he still threw for over 3,500 yards and 25 touchdowns. Uh-huh. And that uh-huh. was a fun offense to watch, the Mike right. McDaniel offense, uh, Jalen Waddell, um, Tyreek Hill. Right. Uh, Yaseki, you know, they, they, yeah, they that, have... that, that's a fun offense to watch, and he's really good in it. You know, it's it's all based on ball comes out quickly, good decision-making, accuracy. He doesn't have a hose for an arm, no. but it's good enough. But I I root for him because he's he's fun to watch. Yeah, he uh, and he took some well, – he took some shots, man. It was uh, – and, the, and probably the mismanagement of mm-hmm. – of all that stuff, you know, I mean, going right back in the following week or whatever it was, two weeks later. Um, and I don't remember exactly the timeline of that, but it, it definitely it definitely brought some questions to the forefront about, you know, NFL care and uh, and how much time is enough time and, and, you know, when should you be cleared to go back. And, and you know, and, and rightfully so, the, the NFL was really scrutinized over that stuff, which uh, I think it – that it should be scrutinized. So I'm glad that he's coming back though. He did play. He did play. Well, he's one of those, he's one of those guys for me that I'm not quite sure. Like sometimes I watch him throw and it just, it doesn't, it like, it's, it looks so labored to me and it just looks like it's uncomfortable, you know? And because he's left-handed. Why is it that left-handed baseball players, their swing looks so beautiful, but left-handed quarterbacks have sort of a, I don't. I don't jerky, even jerky notion. Uh, I don't know. They're, it's not as fluid looking. Yeah, maybe it's just because we're not used to it, yeah. right? But I just looks. It looks like like he's throwing a little, you know, eight yard slant or six yard slant. It just looks like he's got to go, like his whole body has to get into <laughs> it, right, you know, right. to, to get it there. Right. It just. But he's effective. Yeah. No. I he mean, was, is he effective he, or was it all right? So I brought up how he was playing before the concussions. Mm-hmm. Is is his style? Is he the kind of quarterback that you think is built to last that you can win with for a long time compared to the other top quarterbacks in the AFC? Well, I would I would tell you that I have, you know, I'm a little bit, I'm probably a little bit different than the way a lot of people think about about the quarterback position in general, um, because I'm a I'm a big believer in systems and being able to run the ball and being able to set up your play action and marry your your run game to your play action game, marry your run game to your play pass game, you know. So I know Mike McDaniel. I know he does that really well, um, and I know that I know that offense and that system. So um, I believe I believe in. I believe in in that offensive philosophy. You can take a quarterback like Tua, who who probably is not a Burrow, or probably is not a Herbert, or probably is not a Jalen Hurts, or probably is not a you know, you know, one of those guys. Um, and you could still be very effective, very effective. So yeah, I but I'm 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 fascinated because there are times I watch him and I you know. I have not done a Miami game since he's been the quarterback. So I haven't done a, like a in-depth deep dive into the Miami Dolphins offense. Um, but I've watched enough of their offense to go, oh, I just don't, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not. 
That, that, that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's still he cl- he still clearly has a, a lot to prove. Mike McDaniel has a lot to prove. Dolphins have a lot to prove, and and that division's only going to get tougher once Aaron Rodgers lands in it, likely. But mm-hmm. you know, as you were talking about how you do it all over again, despite the pain, mm. the injuries, the sacrifice, you do it all over again. Sure. And I think that maybe right there, your answer probably helps explain a lot why Demar Hamlin made the announcement yeah. this week that he's coming back. I think that's like a lot of us would be like, yeah. dude, you like you died all right for a time yeah. on the football field and and you want to go back. Yeah. I think some balls, man. Yeah, there's no question. There's no question. And I think, you know, some of it's probably unfinished business. Some of it is like it's such a freak show thing to have that traumatic impact right at that perfect moment when your heart's between beats or whatever and to shut down your your heart um and it's happened in other sports right it it's happened yep. it happens in car accidents and other things that you know that do that to you but I think there's party that probably goes the odds of that ever happening again right zero right, right? I right. mean that's not gonna happen right. again right. um but I think there's part of it is is you've had this like like I said earlier you've had this childhood dream for you know like your whole life and now you're like man I just want to like I, I want to finish what I started and like unfinished the just the unfinished business aspect of it the other thing is you don't get to that point without being uber competitive mm. and it's not just competing against your opponent oftentimes in life your opponent is you mm-hmm. you're the biggest opponent in your life and i don't know if you ever listen to any david goggins stuff david goggins is just um, just listen to like google him and look him like he's just this no nonsense ex-military like in charge and i love one of the things he always talks about is grabbing your inner bitch like <laughs> just grab <laughs> your inner bitch and let it know that you're in charge That's right. i like that and i i tell you what like i listened to something on on he did a podcast with joe rogan and uh and i was listening to this is this piece you know there was a clip that was put up and uh, listening to this and and I was just like man that's that like I love that I like love just that, yeah. grab your inner bitch and and since then I've been I've been finishing my shower in a cold shower every day like for three to five minutes oh. of just ice cold shower <laughs> and I constantly get like the whole time the cold time like eventually you get used to it you know yeah. it's like not that bad yeah but for the first 35 seconds of it for you know, the first like the yeah the fur it's just miserable and i'm just like always like like that little bitch that comes out me i'm like you're not no absolutely not you little bitch yeah. get back in there at that right point, the little bitch wants to come out oh there's there ain't no <laughs> ain't no question there's no question so yeah I, like i i just love the whole concept and there is this there is this like playing hurt for me was a there was a badge of honor to it it was like, hey, man, I ain't going to listen to my body. I'm not going to listen to, you know, to my knee that's barking, to whatever. I ain't F you. 
I'm not going to listen. I'm going to go out here and do something that 99.99999% of people in the world can't do. And there was a, there was a badge of honor and there was that competitiveness of me against me that I'm going out here and I'm going to, you know what? I feel like shit and I'm going to go out here and kick somebody's ass. And I love, I love that competition, that internal competition with myself. With your inner bitch. With my inner bitch. Man, just grab her. I love that. Or him. Or it. Yes. Or they. Yes. Or whatever you have to use today. Exactly. Grab it, though. Let's get a little lightning round stuff here. Okay. Oh, I like it. Trades. Rumored trades mm-hmm. involving uh, some, some pretty big name players. Let's start with San Francisco and the rumblings that they're looking to move Trey Lance. You've spent a lot of time around San yeah. Francisco the last couple of years. Where, where are you at? More importantly, where are the 49ers? How do they view Trey Lance? Uh, if, uh, speculation. Okay, mm-hmm. I just would have to speculate. Um, what they do. What they thought they drafted and what they actually drafted are two different things. One, not a lot of experience coming from a small school. And I'm a small school guy, so I believe in small school players. But you got to play. If you're a small school player, you better have played 35 games or 40 games, whatever it is, right? You can't play 16. Because that competition, you just are better than everybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, you are Zoolander. We're better than you. Or is it Zuler? No. Dodgeball. Sorry. I mixed up Global Gym. Right. I mixed up my Ben Stellars. Easy to do. Yes. We're better than you, and we know it. Throw a little meet the Fockers in there, and it's it's easy easy to get off the rails. You can milk anything with nipples, Greg. (laughs) So, anyhow, um, yeah, I, uh, I think they thought they were getting an athlete that resembled more the Lamar Jackson type of mm-hmm. elusiveness, um, athleticism. And I've said this, man. Lamar makes NFL players, the best athletes on the planet, oftentimes look like JV players. Look silly. And what they, what they didn't get is they didn't get the lateral quickness and, and elusiveness that Lamar had. They got straight line, but they didn't get that edge-to-edge presence. So when you watch, and, and I've talked to them about this, when they ran him, look at the injury. When they were running him, he wasn't outside the edges like Lamar on quarterback counters and you know options and all that crap. They were downhill, QB power, in, inside, inside type of runs. Because he doesn't have that outside burst that Lamar has. So he needs to go to what? Like a developing team that just, he'd be in a position where he'd just go play. He, yeah, but I, I think I think the, the point is, is that he doesn't have that type of athleticism they thought he was going to have. And he doesn't have any, he doesn't have the pocket presence because he just didn't play. He but can it. that be, is it just a matter of playing? Or, or at this point, has he been out so long no, I don't. I don't. It'll even, be tough to to I, gain that. I think. I think San Francisco. Okay, here's here's would be my guess is we found a guy who's got unbelievable pocket presence, who can really play, who is unflappable. Now he got injured, but we have 
a championship roster and a developmental player in Trey Lance. And so let's recoup whatever we can recoup. And you're not going to. No, they gave up three number ones. You're not even going to come. Now you're going to get a one for him. You get a second rounder and, and feel good about it. Maybe. I think that's I think that's where they are right now. So I think that's I think that's ultimately where Trey Lance is going to be. Uh, a couple other names. Yeah. Buda Baker with Arizona. Phenomenal player. And uh, Devin White with Tampa. Phenomenal player. And I don't know why, you know, why both of those guys are disgruntled. Um, you know, we always joked around uh, back in my day with uh, Mike Greenberg on ESPN. You want gruntled players, not disgruntled players. Yes. Want a guy to be gruntled. Yeah. Neither of those guys seem to be gruntled to right now. Out there, you want to work with people who are gruntled? Yeah, you want you want gruntled people. Yes. Um, okay, so Devin White is – Devin White's a freak show. Like he's a freak show blitz guy. He's a freak show coverage guy. He's a, just a freak show athlete, and he's a great football player. And he's a guy – He's a guy to me. Um, talking to NFL coaches, and they'll and they'll tell you this, especially from the linebacker position, you got to have at least one, one dude that can affect the game. Let's call it in a fifteen-yard area, in a fifteen-yard rectangle, so that dude can cheat. You can cheat your drops. You can cheat your coverage, meaning that. Like, if you're a hook defender, you know, you want to be eight yards, eight to ten yards deep, and you want to be two yards outside the hash. That's, like, that's where your hook is, right? That's where your your hook zone is. And when I get a dude that can move like Devin White, I can go from eight to ten, ten to twelve, twelve to fourteen, and I can go two yards to three yards to four yards. Now, all of a sudden, I can't throw the curl. I can't throw the, you know, the basic. I can't throw the in-cutting routes because that guy's sitting there. So then I come back and dump it off to the arrow route or to the drive, the shallow cross, and all of a sudden, he just triggers. He goes, yeah! (laughs) And you think you got seven yards and you got two and a half, right? Uh And you're like, son of a bitch. (laughs) Like, we're behind the chains. Yeah. Like, you got to have one of those dudes, yep. and he is one of those dudes. And as far as Buda Baker is concerned, that dude is a football-playing Jesse. That dude, he great guy, great player, and he's one of those rare birds. One, if you watch him on film, and not that anybody watched a lot of Arizona film, but, you know, I've, I've had several Arizona games over the last several years. Um, blatant disregard for his own well-being. <laughs> Like that dude is like he don't feel pain. Like he he does not get he gives zero shits about his own well being. He flies around and tries to murder people. It's unbelievable. Nicest kid in the world, but he has blatant disregard for his own well being. And then versatility. He's always in the box, but he can play deep safety. He could play strong or free. Okay. He can play nickel or dime, and he can play corner. And he's got man-to-man cover skills. He's got zone awareness and and you know and, and just spatial awareness. He's got the ability to play the run. He's a he's a big time run defender. And he'll take on a 330-pound guard and not even think about it. <laughs> he just doesn't care. He's he is He's one of my favorite players to watch, I'll be honest with you. 
And um, I'll tell you what. I mean, if, like, he wants to trade, if I was in the market to upgrade my defense, dude, I'd figure out a way to make that trade work. Mm. High praise. High praise indeed. Well, we got the draft a week from now. Yeah. In the meantime, everybody, go grab your inner bitch. That's right. <laughs> Choke the shit out of that thing. <laughs> hey, for everybody for everybody involved in the uh, Seek of Truth podcast, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back with you later on next week.